fact, I found this out about three months ago or four months ago, it might have been. Um, my neighbour came and saw me. And uh, we had a chat on my front lawn, a conversation, and the conversation went like this. Uh, in actual fact, just a little bit of backstory to it. Um, when she first, she was my neighbour at the back of my house, and when she first moved into our house, uh, oh, sorry, not our house, <laughs> but moved into her house or unit at the back there, we weren't there because we were away on holidays. And when we're away on holidays, um, some people were looking after our two little dogs. And so they weren't there either. And so now we come back and it was a bit of a rude awakening that we've actually got two dogs. And they actually do bark on the occasion. And so the conversation went like this. I don't like your dogs barking. And uh, I could understand that. And uh, I apologized to her. I said, I'm sorry. Um, and then I tried to explain to her, look, we've been away and, you know, um, and, and they're back. And, and our pergola is like this amphitheater that just echoes straight out across our backyard into all the neighbors. And so, you know, if you come to a party at our place, we have to tell our neighbors because, you know, it just is like this little amphitheater there. And I, I went to explain all this to her, but she wasn't that excited about me explaining anything. Have you had one of those conversations with a neighbor? Just me? <laughs> so I did apologize to her. Yeah, and, um, and then she said, uh, you're a pastor. I said, oh, yeah, yep. And she said, you should love your neighbor. And she walked away. <laughs> and I went, uh, and she was off down the front. I kind of got the sense that she wasn't really interested in anything I said. She just wanted to unload and let me know and uh, walk away again. And uh, as I was thinking about that, I should have maybe said, because was, she was quoting Matthew 5.43, I should have quoted the next verse in context, because it says, love those who don't like, you don't like. <laughs> and maybe what I should have, but you know, I, I didn't think of it at the time, I wasn't quick enough, and I thought it wouldn't have probably helped. It would have been a bit like putting hot coals on someone's head. <laughs> and... Uh, and, uh, and since then, I've thought of all the things I could have said, but, you know, it just wasn't going... I, whatever came out of my mouth was not computing to her. That's fine. Um, God willing, I'll need to apply verse 44. Love those you don't like. So I'm sure I'll, I'll continue to do that and seek to make some inroads into my precious neighbor's life. But it's not like, look, I, I tell you all that to say sometimes we can take a verse, and we, in, in that particular day, I felt like it was be more like a big stick just to hit me over the head. You're a pastor, and you should love your neighbor. So if your dog barks, you don't love me. You know, that kind of thing. So it was just like a big stick, whack, 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 whack. Um, I don't think, you know, often in, ver in Scripture, sometimes we can look at a verse, and we, if we just took that one verse, you'd be in danger of misinterpreting or misunderstanding it. Because you need to grasp the whole content sometimes of what's being said. And this little passage, I, I say all what I just said then, because I want us to understand something about Matthew chapter 7, 7 to 11, because there's, there's four or five verses here that you need to put in context. Because the first verse is, asking you will be given to you. Asking you, in, in some of the versions, it says, the NIV, it says, asking you will uh, receive. Uh, and then it says, seek and you will 
uh, what? Fine. Knock and the door be open. You could take verse 7 and it says, God, I've been asking for a long time and I haven't seen any results. I've been, and there's at times I've even knocked on different doors and no doors have opened. I'm, God, what is happening? You know, why don't you answer me, God? Have you ever, not verbally or not out loud, but maybe in your heart said, God, I just really need an answer and it doesn't seem to come. Have you ever kind of had that sense of, God, what's happening? I think we all have at times. But we need to read the rest of the verses because within context, it really does explain itself. Jesus explains himself really clearly. So let's read it uh, because we don't want to just take one verse and misunderstand what's really being said. Because you could say, if that's all the verse said, if that's all that Jesus said about asking and seeking and knocking, you, you would be, wow, you could be in your rightful place to actually say, God, I asked and I never received. What's happening? I, saw, I, I knocked on doors and never opened. What's happening? So let's look at the rest of the passage. Just like my precious neighbor who we're seeking to build relationship with just took Matthew 5.43 and said, you're a pastor and you should love your neighbor. There is other verses there that you need to weigh up. <laughs> so Matthew 7, it says, ask and it will be given to you. Uh, seek and you'll find, knock and it will be open to you. For everyone who asks receives, and he who, what? And he who finds, seeks, finds, and to him who knocks it will be opened. Did I say all that? Verse 9, or what man is that there among you, or what woman is among you, who if his son asks for bread? See, the, 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 whole, the little passage here just changes context just for a moment to explain something. Or what man or woman among you is he, if his son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or 10, if he asks for a fish, will give him a, a serpent? I almost said, give him spaghetti. <laughs> Got to wear my glasses. And if you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good gifts to those who what? Ask him. Come on. Sometimes... See, we see this passage and you say, well, how can we put it in context? It's very clear that sometimes the truth is I've asked God for things and they haven't come to pass. I've uh, knocked on doors and they haven't come to pass. But the reality is, if we put it in the context of verses 9 through to 11, you see that we have a good God and a good God means that he wants to give us good things. So it's amazing sometimes that I would never think this, but maybe sometimes when I've asked of God for something, he knows that the thing that I asked for is really not a good thing and it's not going to do us any good and actual fact it may destroy your life and not make your life and so God says sometimes no have you ever contemplated that because he is a good God because he's thinking of your welfare more than anything else sometimes when you ask of God it may be the truth is is he doesn't give it to you but he knows that in the future because our God can see down into the future he knows that's not for now but it's for a certain time it's a sign for a certain time who knows that we all wish God would answer our prayers tomorrow but you know God is seldom early but never late and so we see if we serve, because it says he's a good God, he wants to give good gifts. God who's Father, he wants to give you good things. And he knows what's good for you. And you know when we ask and we don't receive straight away, there's this thing called trusting in him that we have to do. Is this thing that we have to, we have to put uh, some things and say, God, I, I trust you more than the answers I need to receive. I actually want you more than what, what maybe I'm expecting of you. I've just got it trusted. You've got it. 
And that, that, in the context of that, that we serve a good God, there is the answer to why sometimes we don't always get what we want and we don't get it when we want it. We talked about this last Sunday, that God, his timing is not always my timing. Why doesn't God look at my diary when things need to happen? My diary is really good, but God has a time frame and a place for everything. Everything under the sun, there's a season for it, isn't there? And so we've got to, that's the element of trust where he asks us to trust him. Because my human nature comes into play when I ask him, because I want things now. Or I want things that I think would be really good for me, but they're really not going to be good. I think sometimes we ask for what we don't know we're asking for. I think sometimes we're actually asking, we think we're asking for bread, but really we're asking for a stone. And God says, stones aren't going to do you any good. You know what I'm saying? I think we don't know sometimes. So in prayer and communication with God, he knows the best. You see, we've got to understand something. Um, it's one thing we have to settle in our hearts, folks, is that I know that my God is very faithful and consistent. Would you all agree? He's faithful, he's consistent. Even when I am not faithful and consistent with him, okay, he doesn't change. His love has never diminished. His strength never wavers. His plan is never altered. He has never had a regret or a second thought. He has never gotten tired. And when you pray, you never have to catch, you'll never catch him in a cranky mood. You, you cannot exhaust his grace. Your activity has no influence on his emotions. You don't um, cause his love to ebb and flow. You don't wear him out. And you don't exhaust his patience. Amen to that. Would you agree? All of those things. See, God is consistent and faithful. So if my God is unchanging in how he deals with me, then you and I need to see that quite possibly we are the inconsistent ones in our relationship with him. Would that be okay? Would that be a fair assessment? If, 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 if the truth is, I know that's for me. It's never God that's inconsistent. It's always me that's inconsistent. And I just think, wow, how, how good is our God? But how sometimes I'm expecting what I expect now. And God says, that won't be good for you. So this means that I could never expect to understand how he operates if I never bother to communicate with him. As the Bible says, it says, draw near to him and he will draw near to you. How could we ever do that if we never communicate? We never know his ways. And, and in this passage, there's three words, ask, seek and knock, that really do depict, um, really do emphasize the one topic of prayer or the one type of relationship with God, but all in their own little um, uh, wonderful way, they depict another element, another part of God's character, which is so wonderfully uh, put together. And that's why Jesus says, ask and you'll um, receive, seek and you'll find, knock and the door will be open, because he wanted to depict the very character of an incredible God that we serve and how he responds to us in that he is consistent, he's faithful, he loves us, Everything that was shared from, from the stage this morning that everybody was saying is just so true. He does love us. He's got purpose for us. We don't know what's happening in the future. He does. We can trust him. So the truth is, these things we need to understand. So we don't need to take just verse 8 or verse 7 of this passage of Matthew 7 and say, well, why isn't God answering me? We need to look at the context of it. And for a moment, just for a moment this morning, let's explore these three thoughts. Ask, seek, and knock. The first thing, good relationship, God's, God's understanding, God's relationship involves asking and what? Receiving. Asking and receiving. I've uh, 
after 32, moving on to nearly 33 years of marriage, I've come to an understanding that I've got to stop assuming that Michelle knows what I'm thinking. Because when I stop assuming that she knows what I'm thinking without telling her what I'm thinking, she can actually meet my need and vice versa. Is that fair enough? Who knows a good relationship is based upon asking and receiving, communicating. And we can assume so much, especially when you've been married a while and you can say, oh, well, she understands what I'm like. She knows. No, no, no. It sometimes just takes clear communication again and again and again. And all the husband said, thank you for your over... Mark says, thank you for your overwhelming excitement on that point, gentlemen. All the ladies said, it was a bit louder. See, we've got to understand that we assume so much sometimes. We can assume that he knows or she knows. You know, I love my wife. She particularly loves to ask me, what would you like to eat this week? And I go, well, can I give you my comprehensive list? And she says, I don't say that really, but I, I, I say, you know, how about satay chicken? How about, uh, you know, pork with uh, grape uh, satay on top, uh, you know, a grape um, salsa on top with, you know, sweet p- potato and pumpkin? And she says, yeah, calm down, calm down. You know, we'll just, uh, I say, you know, here's the basic ingredient, you know, go for it. I'm all mouth. <laughs> I'm ready. So I ask her, she, she asks me, I tell her, and we have this understanding, and I always enjoy that part of our marriage. It's food, it's a great thing. But so, you know, sometimes we treat God with the assumption that God knows what we're thinking. To be honest, God does know what you're thinking, but there's something important about us asking that helps God to understand something really important about us. The truth is, we have not because we ask not. So that's one point of asking. That's one factor about asking. Some of us just get so busy, so caught up in life, so trying to do life that we forget to just be a human being and just slow down a moment just to say, God, here's my need list today. Can I just ask you? Some people say, I'm too busy to pray. I think if you're too busy, you're too busy not to pray. Come on. And so just to talk to him about life. So that's one aspect of asking, but the other aspect is that God knows what we want before we ask him, but he wants to hear the desires of our heart, folks. Because we can rattle off a a prayer verbatim and say, oh yeah, God, bless auntie, you know, bless uncle, blah, 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 blah. And we have no passion or desire for that. And how does God, you know... How, is it, how would you respond to a person that says, oh, just give me this, give me that, give me that? We don't respond. God can't respond where there's no passion or desire. You see, and that's what he says. Ask and you shall receive. And behind the whole meaning of asking is the passion that we should, we should be very much realizing. Asking often builds a desire within us. And God sees that desire more than anything. I, I, my mother never had to second guess me when I was a little boy and dessert was being served up. And I ate my dessert and she never had to second guess that I'd always ask for a second bowl of dessert. She never had to. But do you know what I found? If I didn't ask her, I didn't get it. 
And I wonder if that's like God, if we didn't, we, so many things we forfeit because we just never bothered to ask, because we never have a desire. And there are some incredibly good things that you need to have a desire to ask him about. You need to commit to him. You need to respond to him and say, God, I want, you know. There was a guy called Bartimaeus. He was blind from birth. Mark chapter 10. And he's sitting on the side of the road off a little way over here. And Jesus is passing through his town. All the crowds are gathered along the side of the street because they know Jesus is the miracle worker. Bartimaeus obviously had heard that Jesus can heal the blind. And so as Jesus is walking along, he calls out, Jesus! And all the people around Bartimaeus say, keep quiet. They, Jesus is not really interested in you. And I think Jesus doesn't hear him. And so he doesn't get deterred by the people's response to him. He yells out all the louder, Jesus. And as he responds, Jesus hears him and stops his possession. And he looks over to maybe his left. Well, guess it's his left. And he sees Bartimaeus and he says, come to me. Come to me. Everything what Jesus is doing with this man is building something in his life. And then he says, what is your need? Well, any blind person could work out what his need is. He's blind. What a redundant question Jesus asks. You know, I'm blind. Can't you see that? And he says, oh, but Bartimaeus responds and says, Lord, I want to see. And isn't it amazing in this response here? See, I, I, I want us to understand something. Jesus wanted to see. Jesus just doesn't respond to your circumstances. Don't assume that God will just come and work in your circumstances. He, what he'll respond to is your desire. He'll respond to your desire. And often that takes an asking and a, just a, a bringing before him and presenting ourselves. Um, and, you know, maybe if Bartimaeus hadn't yelled out louder and louder, maybe Jesus would have passed him by. I don't know. I don't know. Is God going to pass you by simply because you never ask? I pray not. I pray not. I pray that won't be the case. But Jesus responds to the desires of people, not the situations of people. So, um, you know, we have circumstances, folks, that happen in our lives that we don't turn into regress, regress asking, but we turn them into anxieties. And I, we've got to just backtrack and say, just wait a moment. I don't need to turn this into a worry or a concern or anxiety. I need to turn it into a petition unto God. I need to ask of God. And, and sometimes we forfeit the peace of God because we never ask. Yeah. So let's go. Let's look at the second thing Jesus um, says here. He says, not only is asking and receiving, he says it's seeking and what? Finding. He says, willing to seek. I seek to find the best way. Um, I, I, you know, you know, once again, I'll just draw upon my marriage, but I seek to find the best way to make, enhance my marriage. I'm thinking, you know, marriage can just get better and better and better. I want to tell you that. Um, and so I seek to enhance that. And sometimes without even Michelle asking me, I'll actually hang up the washing. <laughs> that is good. That's about the only thing you'll remember this morning, isn't it? <laughs> no, no, I'm only feeling... But you know, I get, I get like extra ticks for that. Tick, 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 tick. And then sometimes, without her, you know, mentioning anything, I'll just buy her a bunch of flowers and take them home. And mate, I just get like big ticks. That's really good. And uh, 
And uh, so, so the reason is I'm seeking the best options to enhance my marriage. And I've learned, I think a lot of you guys know what you need to do. You just need to do it. Um, I reckon every guy should buy their wife a bunch of flowers in the next week. What do you reckon? Oh, you just missed an opportunity right there, folks. See, the best options. Seek something to the best options. You know, Proverbs chapter 8, verse 17, I love those who love me and those who seek me diligently will find me. Those who seek me diligently will find me. So we need to understand, seek. What, what, what's seeking? Seeking is going out of your way to go a little bit further than just asking. It's pushing forward. It's, 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 it's pressing in sometimes to say, God, I just, you know, I diligently want to just have direction or wisdom and guidance here. Um, and so we, when we ask something, we've, you know, if we lose something, and it was really precious to you, you'll seek it with determination, wouldn't you? You'd go after it. <laughs> I've got to find this thing. There's some things I'm lost that I'm always looking for. I'm thinking, where are those? And I'm, you know, it, it, there was a, I remember um, many years ago when I used to play a game called Touch Football. On a, uh, I forgot even what night it was. But anyway, it's been a while since I played it. But this particular night, the game was at 7 o'clock. And at half past 6, I started to get ready. Got my touch football shoes, my pants, my shirt. And, and in the process of getting myself together, I put my car keys somewhere around the house. Who's ever lost their car keys? So, so quarter, to, quarter to 7, I'm ready to go and I can't find my car keys. They're not in the usual place because I've picked them up and I've put them somewhere. So frustration level was starting to rise. Where are they? I'm looking throughout the whole house. Where are they? Where are they? Where are they? I can't find them. I don't know where they are. Seven o'clock. That's when the game starts. Now the frustration levels are about 75%. I'm supposed to be there playing the game and I can't find my car keys. Quarter past seven. I'm thinking I'm, gonna, I'm missing the first half. Can't work out. At 20 past seven, I, look into, I go into my wardrobe and I reach up on the shelf and there's my car keys. Whoever puts car keys on the shelf of your wardrobe? Apparently, I do. So I grab the keys. I get to the second half of the game. And, you know, I had to. Uh, and, 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 you know, seeking. Isn't there a determination when you've lost something? And I wonder if maybe you've lost something of your first love. Or maybe if you've lost something of that relationship with God. I tell you, God just says, would you seek? You'll find it. You'll find it. It doesn't it's just a bit of seeking, a bit of pressing through, a bit of pushing on. Seeking is not overcoming God's reluctance. It's laying hold of his highest willingness. That's what it is. What is his will? His desire to give us good things. Doesn't it say that in the passage there? He's a good God who wants to give us good things. It says in Matthew 11 verse 7, See, the hindrance of him giving us good things is not his desire to give, but our inability to seek it out. Our inability or our unwillingness. Um, and those times of seeking is not so much about me getting what I want, but me discovering what he wants me to have. Because it says in Scripture in Psalm 37, 4, Delight yourselves in the Lord, and he'll give you what? The desires of your heart. Come on. And I've said this many times. Well, we, we change that verse sometimes. Give me what I want, and I'll be delighted. 
instead of delight yourself in the Lord and he'll give you the desires of your heart. See, seeking is all about the transfer of what I really think is important in my frame of things to what God knows we really do need. And in that time of asking and seeking, God changes sometimes the, the desires of our heart to fit what really is going to be of incredible benefit to us. There was a story in the Old Testament. There's a guy called Samuel. He's a prophet. Okay, And Samuel... Um, knew that God had rejected the present king of Israel. His name was Saul. And, and God said to Samuel, go to the house of Jesse. The dad's name was Jesse. He had seven sons. He said, you'll find the next king of Israel amongst one of his sons. And so Jesse goes along to, uh, sorry, Samuel goes to Jesse and says, you know, one of your sons is God's going to choose today to be next king of Israel. And so Abinadab comes and stands before them. He is tall and handsome and muscular. He's amazing. He, he's like, he is the, he, he is the, Arnold Schwarzenegger of, of, uh, of Israel, you know? And so, and, and Samuel says, surely this is the one that must be appointed of God. First cab off the rank is the one that must be the next king. And God says that famous line into Samuel's heart, God does not look at the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. And Samuel says, oh, that was a revelation moment just there for Samuel. And so he, he this Benadab, he has to move on. And then the next five sons come and stand before God. And Samuel says, ask the question, is this the one? Is this the one? Is this the one? And they go through the next five, all six sons. No one, not one of them. Not, none of them make the cut. And Samuel's like, he's scratching his head. God, you brought me here to this, this father. And, you know, and none of them, you told me you're going to pick a son today to be the next king of Israel. And so Jesse asks the question. He says to Jesse, is there any more sons? And Jesse says, oh, there is. He's out in the field with the sheep. Well, Samuel says, bring him in. We'll not sit down until he comes. And as David comes, the young teenager man comes up, all dirty. He's got sheep dung on him. He's got, he smells, he's been sweaty. You know, he's been running around the field. He's been fighting a bear and a lion over here and mucking around with them. He's got a couple, you know, uh, scratch marks across his chest. And, you know, he's just, he doesn't care. He's just young and fit and muscular. You can, you know, amazing. And he comes up. He doesn't look like anything of king material. And yet, as soon as David comes into their presence, God says, that's the one, anoint him. So here's the point. We go through life and we ask the question and we seek. We ask the question, oh, is this direction we should take? Is this what we should do, God? And God says, no. And then we say, oh, God, is this, well, is this the next best option? No, no. And we go through this process. And you wonder why God didn't tell Samuel, it's just David. It would have not wasted, it would have not wasted all that time. Have you ever thought that? I want to tell you, sometimes God doesn't give us the answers to what we're seeking straight away because he wants you to build. In all that time Samuel is there, he's building anticipation and desire to who's going to be this incredible king. If he's not tall and handsome, who is he? He must have an incredible heart attitude. And see, when God takes you through the process of making decisions about what's right and asking him and seeking him, he builds anticipation, he builds faith, and he builds desire within your heart. Then when you do make the right decision and he brings it along, you know that's God's choice. But it builds something within your life, the seeking time. I, uh, I sit in the lounge room sometimes. As I sit in the lounge room, Michelle's making this incredible meal, you know, something really Simple, like, you know, uh, or whatever. I won't, won't even pronounce some of the things she makes. They're just amazing. I said, what is this, honey? She says, well, it's this, this, and this. I think, well, it tastes good. 
As I sit in the lounge room, I get the wafting smell of the food, and my mouth starts to build up with saliva. And, oh, oh, that's, and I go into the kitchen, and I lean over her shoulder, and I go to put my finger in the pot, and she goes, whack! <laughs> I said, what did you do that for? She says, don't touch until I put it on the table. I said, oh, okay, righto, righto. But it builds this anticipation. It builds this, this, it, it builds this um, desire for more of it. That just smells so good. And you know, folks, you'll never know what you're missing out until you start to seek and start to push in and say, God, what have you got for me? What's the answer? What's the direction? And it becomes an overwhelming desire that builds up and an overwhelming passion to say, Father, I've got to have your answer. I want nothing more than less than your answer, your direction, your wisdom. And I'm, gonna, I'm not going to take second best. I'm going to push through and just get your direction and wisdom and guidance. And that's what it does. It builds anticipation. The waiting period is that those who wait upon the Lord shall renew their what? Strength. And that's what Jesus is talking about, seeking. Here's the last one. Knocking and opening. God's, God, sorry, good relationship is about knocking and opening. Um, desire to knock on new doors of opportunity. Knocking is realizing there's an obstacle to push through. Isn't that true? God doesn't have this, God doesn't have the um, self-opening doors. You just can't walk up to them and they all, if they all opened, you wouldn't know which one is the right door to walk through. But sometimes you'll knock and the door doesn't open. Sometimes you'll knock again and, and the door will open in a year's time, but you just got to keep knocking. May God give us the wisdom to know when to continue to knock. See, knock is, knocking is realizing that, that we can trust him. See, Colossians 4.3, um, Paul says to the Christians at the, the church at Col Colossia, it says, praying also for us. Pray for us that God would open to us the door for the word, the word of God to speak the mystery of Christ. Paul says, would you pray that God will open the door that we can speak the mystery of Christ to these people? See, if every door was open to us, we wouldn't have to knock. The word knock is a verb. It means action. It's a, it's a doing word. As my English teacher would tell me, it involves an action. You've got to do something. You've got to knock. You can stand at the door sometimes and just go, well, God, you open it when you can. Now, why don't you ask? Why don't you see? Why don't you just knock on the door and see if this is the direction? If it doesn't open, that's cool. Just say, God, I've got to trust you. There must be another door. I've just got to put my trust in you. I've got to action something. See, Jesus works with us, not apart from us. And Jesus says to the, he says to this blind man again. There's another great blind man story in the Bible, and and it's called um, and he and he's at the um, he's been blind since birth, and Jesus comes along to him and um, and uh, he, he spits in the dirt, and as he mixes the mud up, he puts it on his face. I'm glad he was blind. <laughs> you wouldn't want to have you know, you know, you'd want to see. And, you know, you can appreciate this man's got mud, saliva dripping down his face. It's a mixture. And Jesus then says to him, go to the pool of Shalom and wash. To my calculations, according to my mathematical geographical ability, I've worked out that it's 750 meters from the temple where he, Jesus put saliva on his face and mud on his face to the pool of Shalom in Jerusalem. And so you can appreciate that he didn't even tell the man, the blind man, what he was going there for. He says, just go to the pool and wash. 
But I gather that the blind man was obedient because he had an anticipation that as I go to the pool and wash, I'm, I'm probably going to find that I'm going to see. I think that's what Jesus means. So you can appreciate every step of the, every step of the blind man was an anticipation and a building of desire and a building of passion. I think I'm going to see. I think I'm going to see. And I'm thinking, I think he got to the pool and he just didn't go... No, he dived into that pearl. I reckon his whole head was immersed in, and he came up and he was seeing for the very first time since he'd never seen in all of his life. So everything would have been foreign to him. He saw. And I think, you know, sometimes the man, if he didn't action what Jesus said, Jesus often wants us to action our faith and do something to see faith established. And he did for this man. And it involves us, whatever it may involve for you, knocking, asking, seeking, um, whatever it involves in you, whatever it involves in your life, maybe that loved one who doesn't like you, maybe, maybe you need to write them a letter, an email, and say, hey, I just, you know, just wanted to encourage you. Maybe that person, your next-door neighbor who doesn't like you, maybe you need to bake them a cake with a file, and I don't know, whatever in it. No, just bake them a cake and want to do something good for them. What? Wow, it says in the Bible, do something good for those who don't like you. You know, whatever it may be, why don't you action your faith, folks, and see something dynamic happen? Because I want to tell you, um, God is the source, and if you can't see him as the source, you'll never knock. You'll never knock. Is God your source? He's the source. He's the, he's, in other words, he's, not, he's that person who wants to provide for you the answers as you knock, seek, and ask. I want to encourage us today to reestablish maybe what we've lost a little bit and talk to him. Talk to him through life. Talk about life with him. Spend that time. You say, well, and I understand life gets incredibly um, consumed with many activities and many things and many people to see. And, and you know what? We've got to just slow down a moment and say, Father, I've just got to give you some time. Um, at the age of 20 years of age, there was one thing on my radar that wasn't on my radar, and that was to buy a house. But at the age of 20, I was pretty ignorant, to be honest, but I had saved up a few thousand. And some of you know my story about I bought this little old house for um, uh, not a lot of money, but I put a deposit of the few thousand I had on this house because my parents said, it's a good investment, buy a house. I said, okay, I've got nothing else to do with my money. I didn't have any kind of person in my life, like the female form. I was just single, loose and all that. And I wasn't going anywhere. I wasn't even expecting anytime soon to get married. So I was quite happy to invest my money in there. And so the age of 20, I bought this house. And, and then, wouldn't you believe it, four years later, I got married. And I thought, oh, that was a good decision to buy a house, you know. Um, mind you, it wasn't the most exciting house. It was a box on stilts, but that's okay. It's a house. And when my wife came along, it, she actually turned it into a home because as a bachelor, it's just a house. There's nothing special as a bachelor about a house. It's just a place you eat, sleep, and that's about it. But when she came along, it became a home. And then we, two years, you know, some years after that, a child came along, another one came along. And so it now really did start to become a home. And 13 years, I say all this, 13 years after I bought the house, at the age of 20, I sold that house. And, you know, I sold it for three times the amount I bought it. And, you know, I look back and I went, wow, I just kind of put a couple thousand dollars into this investment and look what it turned into. I said, that was amazing. That was amazing. How did that happen? 
I was really impressed with myself, but it wasn't even my decision. <laughs> it was my parents who said you should do this. I've got a lot to thank them for. And so I just want to say that the investment over 13 years bought me another house, and I'm still in that other house. And, and it's kind of, well, my children were growing up, and now my grandchildren are growing up, and I thought, what an amazing thing, and an investment so small, and yet it produced so many big things. I want to tell you that's what prayer's like. Because you think, well, what? Because there's some prayers that have a, a fruitfulness, not now, but in six months' time, or it could be a year's time, or it could be ten years' time. But that should you should never give up crying out and pray, and and um, crying out in prayer to God, because it's an investment. And you know what? I found that I can. I've discovered that I could build a physical kingdom for myself, nice house have a car, everything, and neglect the spiritual kingdom of my inner man. And the truth is, even though I may have, even though I may have what it seems at all, I've got nothing if I haven't got what God's got for me. If I haven't got him on the inside, I really have got nothing. I can have it all, but not nothing. We, can't, we need to invest. We invest so much in the physical kingdom. Why don't you invest in that spiritual kingdom of your inner heart and life? And it's all about relationship. It's all about asking. It's all about seeking. It's all about knocking and putting him first. Can we stand together, church, today? Can we sing that song, Move, that worship one? Kate, is that okay? If you don't mind. You probably had that one. You're thinking that one. What has to move in your life? What needs to be moved? What miracles need to happen? What circumstances need to be shifted? What relationships need to be renewed? What jobs need to be attained? What finance needs to be given? I don't know. There's actions that we need to participate. I wonder if today, as we just sing this last song of Move, if you would be challenged enough to say, God, I'm going to step out. And I'm just going to believe that, God, you're going to do something incredibly good and you and fresh in my situation. I'm going to just push in a little bit. I'm going to seek a little bit. I'm just going to ask of you, God, and I'm going to trust you. I just, and more than anything, I'm just not asking for what I want, but I'm asking you just to show me what my heart should be and my desire should be. And today, I just want us to come together and just worship for this last song. But what I want you to do is just to step out this morning, just come and stand at the front here and say, Father, more. I just want you to move, move in this situation, in this circumstance, in this situation today. Maybe it's healing in your body today. Maybe it's a circumstance. I believe our God is a good God, but he's looking for our response and our desire today. I'd love to just pray with you, believe uh, for you, with you today and agree. Come on, let's just sing this one last song today. And let's move by faith and trust Him. Move from our seat, come and stand before Him. Whatever it may take today. Thank you, Lord.